Hello, everyone. I just want to let you know we're going to start the presentation in about one minute. We're just waiting for everyone to settle in. Hello, everyone. Just to let you know, we're going to start the presentation in about 30 seconds. We're just still waiting for everyone to uh, settle in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Catastrophic Workplace Event, It Could Happen to You, sponsored by Aveta. This is Alan Ferguson, Associate Editor at Safety and Health Magazine. I'm moderating today's session. Thank you all for joining us. We'll start the presentation in a couple minutes, but first, there are some housekeeping items. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speakers and organization are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or the magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session with our speakers. To ask a question, click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type your question, and click the send button. Please feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the Q&A to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible. We might not get to every question. The good news is that any unanswered questions will be forwarded to today's sponsor. Also, after this presentation, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, and I'll tell you more about that a little later. This webcast will be archived so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, please go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. With that, let's introduce our speakers. With us today are Tom Sisich and Ed, Ed Winfolk Jr. Tom is the president of TFC and Associates, an EHS management consulting firm, and is a strategic advisor with Aveta. During his career, Tom has served as the president of both the American Society of Safety Professionals and the Board of Certified Safety Professionals. He was a vice president of EHS Global Business Support at GlaxoSmithKline and held additional safety management positions at IBM and Allied Chemical. Tom is also an ASSP fellow, that organization's highest honor, a certified industrial hygienist, and a certified safety professional. Edwin is a partner in the Atlanta office of Fisher and Phillips LLP and the former Assistant Secretary of Labor at the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, serving from April 2006 to November 2008. During his time at OSHA, workplace injury, illness, and fatality rates dropped to their lowest levels in recorded history. For more than 30 years, Edwin has focused in labor and employment law, focusing on workplace safety and health issues. Uh, he also served on the Occupational Safety and Health Review Commission from March 1990 until April 1995 and was Oshrick's chairman for the first four years of that tenure. Once again, we thank you all for tuning in this presentation. Tom, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Great. Thanks, Alan. And uh, um, good afternoon or good morning to everyone. Uh, I'm joining you from Raleigh, North Carolina, and Ed's coming from Atlanta. And the first thing I'm going to do, and what you might find most important from this whole session is I'm going to blank out uh, Ed and I, so you don't have to keep looking at us. Uh, perhaps more important that we don't have to keep looking at, at, each, at each other while we're going forward and being distracted. Um, 
Today, uh, we're going to talk about catastrophic workplace accidents. It could happen to you. Um, but first, um, um, of course, there's a picture of Ed and myself and our contact information. Um, we'll also show this at the end of the session. And I might add that um, this uh, video will be available. As I understand it, everybody who's attending will get an email with a link that will be available for three months. Um, also, Aveta will put it on their website. And, and the slides that we're using, if you would find them valuable, uh, we are happy to make, make them available. Um, just a quick word from um, Aveta, who is sponsoring this session. Aveta is, is a company, a software-based company that offers technology soft and software solutions for global supply chain risk management. Uh, we specialize in all aspects of supplier and uh, contractor risk management from the pre-qualification uh, and auditing all the way through to performance evaluation. Um, we also support companies that are trying to fully understand uh, the sustainability impacts of their supply chain. Uh, if you'd like uh, further information, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to um, uh, chat with you about it or, or get you in touch with somebody that could spend uh, more time giving a demonstration. Um, so today, um, we, we really thought this would be a good topic to, to, to bring out and, and, and discuss. You know, everybody's, we're, we're coming out of the, the COVID pandemic, and I, I don't want to rush that. Obviously, there's still lots of implications, but it would certainly appear that we're over the hump. Um, and so, but, you know, there's the, the issue with supply chain is still a major problem for organizations. And the thing we want to um, ensure is that um, um, everyone's talking to their management about um, not the issue, not those issues, which of course have um, uh, that management's been focused on and has been grappling with for the last two years. But the issue that all of us as safety professionals fully understand is that any of these bad things can happen to us. And, um, you know, good things, uh, bad things can happen to good companies. I, I, I remind, um, I've reminded myself of that over the years, but uh, I remind other safety professionals that we just can't let down our, our guard. Um, obviously there's, you know, some of these are, are spectacular and, um, you know, are uh, multiple causation, uh, you know, resulting in, in major failures. But uh, one of the things we'll, we'll talk about is, um, you know, serious events can occur um, with um, uh, just minor deviations from, from everyday events. So what is a catastrophe? What is it that um, we talked today and, and Ed's gonna go through, you know, and, and, and give you some tips as to what you need to do to, to prepare uh, for, um, you know, a bad event that might occur. Obviously employees or fatalities in my career, um, employee fatality, unfortunately, there have only been, I can count on one hand, the, the ones that, that we've had to deal with. And, most of them are automobile vehicle accidents, um, you know, around the world, usually in third world countries. But um, that becomes a, a catastrophe by definition. Um, catastrophe have 
catastrophes are, are high, highly visible. The news media jumps all over them. If, you know, the old saying, if it bleeds, it leads. Um, um, where there could be a, a challenging political environment. Um, you know, there's a lot of politicians never met a camera they didn't like. And so, um, you know, all of these types of things, you know, start bringing about harm to business operations or, or reputation. And many organizations, uh, you know, that, that are certainly those that are, are, are customer focused, that are public focused, the, the reputation is, is critical. And then um, it may include product or financial crisis, criminal allegations, um, union corporate campaigns, um, a lot of aspects that, that you know, would fall under this broad definition of, of catastrophe. Um, and every, every catastrophic injury loss uh, is different, but one of the things that um, you know, Ed, Ed will be referring to is the management principles to prepare um, you know, pre-incident and then post-incident are, are, all, are all similar and really come down to what type of management system you're using and how are you taking into account your preparation and your planning, um, and whether you use a strict Deming PDCA uh, plan, do, check, act, uh, or, or ISO 45001, uh, whatever the management system it is, you know, how are you taking into account your, your preparation for serious injuries? And I guess the thing we, we you know, as safety professionals, we, we just keep highlighting, um, it can happen to us. Um, you know, certainly there were, there were over 5,000 workplace fatalities um, in the past year for which records are, you know, were, were accumulated by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The, um, uh, and, and some of the general data is a lot of these occurred in, in low risk injuries. Uh, many in, involve vehicular accidents. Um, one that, that particularly struck me, um, and it occurred near where, where I live, and, and so gained uh, um, a, a lot of local publicity a few years back, um, this particular accident resulted in, in four workers being killed and, and over 50 being seriously injured, being, many being hospitalized with serious burns. And um, the cause of the, of the accident, this was not a sophisticated process. Um, the cause was a uh, industrial uh, gas-fired water heater being installed within the, the facility. And uh, uh, the contractors uh, didn't properly vent that particular operation. Uh, there was an ignition source and you see the outcome. So not what we would normally call, you know, a, a, a uh, uh, on the surface anyway, a high-risk operation and one that might never even get to our management's attention that um, where we'd want to have, um, uh, you know, per, to perform a risk assessment and ensure that the contractors were qualified to do this work. So um, again, the, 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 most of us as, as safety professionals understand these things certainly can happen to us, but it's important that we communicate that message to our, our senior management. So with that as a, as a lead in, I'm gonna turn this over to my colleague and friend, um, um, Ed. All right, Tom, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll, I'll offer my uh, 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 hellos or uh, best wishes to uh, all you who are attending. I just want to say, I'll kick off by just saying uh, thank you for your commitment to safety health. I'm assuming um, uh, that most 
most of you are safety professionals that are on this thing, but maybe HR people who have safety as part of their responsibilities. But um, I try to say that, uh, thank the safety professionals who are out there in the field um, every time I do a program or something to, uh, because I look and see, I don't see the uh, safety profession, uh, those people, you who are out there doing this, uh, you're instituting policies, procedures, you're doing training, you're doing the observation, you're doing all types of things that are allowing people to go home safe and sound each and every night to their families and loved ones. So I just, and you never get the credit for that. I just wanted to say thank you for your commitment for that. So, uh, and as Tom mentioned, this is, this is a really important issue. And unfortunately, um, I've been through a lot just by, like Tom has been. Uh, I've had some, some cases that I handled, particularly when I was at OSHA. Uh, when I was running OSHA, they, we had a very serious uh, uh, combustible dust uh, explosion down in uh, Savannah, Georgia. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, and just all the things that occurred and kind of explain why this is so important. So um, as you can see here, when we're on our response here, when we're talking about a response, and, and let me just kick off by saying the very most important thing is you cannot handle a catastrophic response if you haven't planned for it. Uh, it's just physically impossible. You have to plan uh, right up front uh, because there are going to, uh, when you have these catastrophic accidents, and we'll talk about all, all the different things, you're going to have, you're going to be hit from all sides. You're going to be hit by uh, three, four, five, six, eight, maybe 10 different agent, government agencies. Uh, impacting your, uh, and they're pretty much coming all at one time. So we need to be very careful. We need to prepare for this. That's why it's very important. Uh, but we want to make sure uh, that we don't do any more harm, uh, making sure that we secure the scene as soon as, we, as, as possible, uh, provide appropriate care um, to the injured. Uh, that's, you know, you might say, well, that's make that, you know, we know they're going to do that. Well, yes. But even before the EMTs get there or the fire department gets or the police get there, you need to be having, you should have people who have already been uh, trained on how they provide initial first aid to, and, and help protect them from getting injured anymore. Or, or, so that's why we want to be sure of that. So we want to make sure that uh, we're preserving the, and respecting the dignity of all the uh, injured employees um, and the families and, and other persons who may be involved in this, because a lot of times you, you get caught up in the moment and it's hard to step back and say, okay, I got, I got to make sure all the people that are injured, that they know we care about that. But we're going to make sure that everything is done to protect, make them whole and make them get them back in. we got to also, those people who are not whole or who are not injured, excuse me, uh, we got to make sure they, uh, we are communicating to them and, and communicating also to the families and, uh, and, and others too. Uh, of course, we're gonna try to fix the problem uh, and not put the blame. That's unfortunate. Uh, a lot of this, these agencies that come in there, they're just looking to find out who, who they can point the figure to, who can they, who can they issue citations to, who can they uh, you know, uh, do a report on or whatever, uh, showing that it was this particular, uh, this particular uh, employers, uh, you know, maybe managers or supervisors, whoever, uh, who are really the ones to blame. So we, you can't, that is, it just doesn't work to fix, to try to blame somebody for it. And to be quite honest, if you're looking to blame somebody, more than likely you're going to, you're going to miss what's really happening there. And also being able to make this, um, 
the, the long-term fix for that uh, to, to really be worried. So, and of course we wanna restore, go back to normal operations. That has to be the key, especially now uh, after COVID and all this stuff, there's a lot of still, a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of people very concerned about their jobs. The, uh, the return, you're seeing on the return to work right now, you're having a lot of companies that are starting to bring back their, their employees. And there's still a lot of people that are afraid they're afraid. There's a lot of people that are also afraid they're not going to have a job. Uh, they're going to down that the company will somehow downsize and they won't have anything. So we've got to make sure we're going to try to restore back to normal operations and make sure the employees know exactly what's all going on. And of course, the next thing is obviously to prevent the reoccurrence. And you know, we can go into a whole lot of things that Tom mentioned about ISO 45001, which is a risk-based and not, you know, safety and health management system. Um, you know, which hopefully is sets up that you, you identify the risk before they occur. Um, so, but clearly that's, we're gonna be going to prevent the reoccurrence. Okay, Tom, you wanna go to the next slide? Oops, did you jump over a slide, I think? Um, I sure did. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I, I won't charge you for that, so. <laughs> All right, and here's who we, what are we going to manage? Well, like I say, we got to manage the affected employees, those who are injured, those who weren't injured. You know, we got to talk about business disruption. We'll talk a little bit more in detail about all these things. Uh, you know, that's a big thing. You've got to get, you know, you, depending, you saw that slide that Tom showed. That, I'm, I suspect that, that that facility did not get back to normal operations for many, many months. And so uh, you're going to have to plan for those things, and you have to make sure that you're going to be able to uh, you know, over there on the other column there, customers and vendors. If we have a business disruption, how are we going to deal with our customers and vendors? How are we going to make sure that they know that we're able to uh, provide um, this, the, the, whatever we were producing or whatever? We're going to be able to provide this and 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 get that get this the stuff to them. What they, what they need to be able to continue their operations. Because if they see that we have a, a catastrophic accident and they're not, we're no longer able to meet their, their needs, then guess what? They're gonna look for somebody else to look for their needs. So we gotta make sure that. And of course our vendors too, they're gonna probably be wondering what's going on. So we might be also looking at, do we have, the, do we have backup vendors uh, that can also, if, if we can help provide more of the supplies that we need to do um, make the stuff that maybe we have to make it someplace else. Of course, the emergency response and dealing with the emergency responders is going to be very interesting. And I mentioned about the, the Savannah plant explosion. Let me just tell you how it all what, what happened, who what agencies showed up. Okay. All right. So the, the explosion occurs, and I think there were 16 people that got killed in that. Um, the police obviously the the police and the fire department showed up pretty much at the same time. And I, the reason I know so much, I'll know a lot of this, is we uh, OSHA has an area office in Savannah, and we were on site within less than an hour after the accident occurred, uh, the OSHA, with, with about four or five different people there. And then I directed to have all the, uh, we had several engineers, uh, mechanical engineers who are familiar with all this, these type of things. Uh, they came in from Washington, D.C. the next day. But you have to, or maybe it was that night they got in. But anyway, um, so police show up, fire department shows up, EMT shows up. Uh, within, and of course, then, with, like I said, within an hour, OSHA is there. And we got there, and it was very interesting. Somebody else got there 
about the same time we got there. And that was the uh, uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms group. Uh, and they kind of fall under the law enforcement or, uh, provisions there because they, they immediately courted off the area because um, and, to, uh, and declared it to be a crime scene because they wanted to see if there was some type of, um, you know, if this was some type of outside group uh, who was ca causing this there, some type of terrorist group or something like that. So they were investigating that as a potential criminal, uh, a crime scene. And so, uh, which hurt, to a certain degree hurt us from being able to do anything because they would not let us into the area where the, uh, where the explosion occurred. Um, and it was a, kind of a funny, interesting thing. I was, I get the call, we had been there, I think a couple of hours and the area director had gone down there. And um, the, 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 just fortuitous for us, the company had an extra, there was a trailer there that they had used for some construction and they had, it was, it was just sitting there and nothing was there. So we actually had a, a place actually to work from. But I get a call from the area director and he says to me, he says, Ed, uh, ATF is here. I said, okay. He says, well, then they've declared this to be a crime scene and we can't go in there. I said, well, we have people that are, you know, are skilled and have a background. We actually had two people from the area office that have engineering degree backgrounds. And so I said, they said, yeah, but they're not letting us go. And I said, well, let me talk to the head of the ATF there on site. And uh, I got, they got, they went and got them and they came on and I said, listen, we really like to, you know, this is a kind of a dangerous situation. There's fire still burning to a certain degree. Uh, if you're going to go into that building, there's going to be a lot of safety and health hazards that your people are not going to be, uh, to be able to recognize and our people, that's what they do. And so you, I think you should let us come in there with you and help you out. And they said, no, I said, no, no, really. I mean, this is very important. I don't want you to get uh, your people to get hurt or anything. And uh, we have the, we have some really good experts there. And I'm, I'm also sending in some uh, uh, accident reconstruction engineers in from OSHA out of DC, and they'll be there tonight. And um, then again, they said no. And of course, they have guns and we don't. So <laughs> they got to do what they wanted to do. So anyway. So, uh, so they were the, they were the next people that showed up, and then, uh, of course, uh, as they since they were putting the fire out, uh, and the, the, it's right on the savannah. This place, this plant is right on the savannah. They barge in uh, their product or their their, their their unrefined product, and then they refine it and, and ship it out. But it comes in on barges, and they they uh, and so they're right on the savannah river. Well, the fire department was putting all this water on the fire. And so there was water going into the Savannah River. So uh, the state EPA showed up and was, was concerned about all that this was happening. And then, uh, of course, the, uh, 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 and then the district attorney showed up because he, he wanted to be on television, I think. I don't know. It was kind of interesting. Uh, so we had that guy dealing with it. And then um, I'm trying to think we had this. There was, an, there was a couple other groups that showed up. The next day, the Chemical Safety Board shows up and out of Washington and they, uh, so uh, it was, it was, you had a whole bunch of group of people. So you're dealing with all this pepper Of course, the media showed up fairly quickly. Uh, and of course, you, you're going to be dealing for your insurers. Uh, you're going to have your defense counsels that are going to be protecting your interest. You're going to have other defense counsels of other companies that might be implement, have, have some type of connection. So they're going to be there. And of course, you're going to have the plaintiffs for the injured employees and the deceased employees. You have the plaintiffs counsels there. I've already talked about the customers and vendors. Of course, we're going to have to deal with the workers' compensation, 
Uh, and then, of course, you got to, you're going to have to start planning to handle it. right at the start. You got to start figuring that there's going to be some potential civil litigation. Although, of course, you have workers' comp protecting uh, the company from for the employees that would that were injured or, or killed. So, but there's still a lot going on in there. Right, let's go to the next slide. We got to go. Uh, yeah, Ed, I'll just interject one thing. You you may mention that site that I showed on my slide. Um, that facility uh, never reopened. They ended up having to, to take it down. And um, in addition to the, the four people who were killed and the people that were seriously injured, 900 people lost their jobs. So uh, it, they're, they're, you know, the consequences you know, are, are, have a long, very long tail. And, and just as you said, there were 24 agencies that showed up and ATF took over just, just like the scenario you described. Yeah, they, you know, they have guns and we, we didn't have any guns. So, we, uh, <laughs> all right. So, pre incident preparation, as I mentioned, this is critical because you, you just see how, with that many federal and state organizations or state agencies, you can't handle those all the time at one or at one time. Or you're going to have to delegate responsibilities. You're going to have to, so you need to pre plan so they know that, uh, you know, who's going to be handling OSHA shows up, who's going to be handling OSHA. All right, the safety director is going to be handling that. The police, who's going to handle that? Well, we're going to have our uh, our in-house counsel be dealing with that. Um, yeah, and, and go through all the different scenarios of people that you have to deal with and then prepare to be able to deal with them in a, a, an effective manner. So let's go to the next slide there. Uh, we talked about the be prepared. You know, that's the Boy Scout motto. So we need to be, you know, so, and, and why they prepare those boys is, is they want them, them to know what to do when, and now I guess the boys and girls get to know what to do, when to, uh, where to go, what to, and how to be prepared. I mean, and that's what we got to do here when we're doing that. Let's go to the next slide. All right, so a pre-incident preparation. Well, of course, we got to have a developed emergency management plan, you know, and that's, uh, it's going to have a whole series of things. Now, it's interesting that uh, there is a uh, uh, emergency action plan standard that OSHA has, but uh, not all employers are, well, most employers are not really covered under that, but it doesn't mean that you can't do it. It does give you kind of things. So, but if you're going to have, you should have an emergency action management plan and you'll have a, a crisis management action plan deal with the incident command system. And this is very, um, you know, nowadays, uh, all the agencies, all the federal agencies and most pretty much all the state agencies are pretty much familiar with and have connection to the incident command system. And so you need to be aware of what that is, who is, who in your area uh, is going to be, uh, is involved with that, who they're going to be, who you're going to be dealing with. And you should know that. And you probably should be inviting them in the, uh, in, to come to the plant in advance just so they know what that. So, uh, of course, we're going to have our regulatory response procedures as to how we handle OSHA or chemical safety board or that thing. We need to have a media coordination pro, uh, procedures. And of course, once again, who's gonna be handling that? Well, probably we have some type of media relations person within the firm, or we have a firm, a, a private firm outside the company that, that handles our, 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 our media uh, and dealing with, the, dealing with the, the press who should be you know, tied in and they should be aware of, uh, they should person know where the plan is, uh, but they should be, you need to have them come in too and, and look at the plant, know what's all there so they are able to respond if we have these things. And of course, if you're doing a risk, you know, assessment under 45,001 or just doing a normal risk assessment, you're going to, these are some of the things you're going to identify. And so then you've got the what if 
if this happens, how are we going to handle all that? So, of course, we need to have pre-exit notification plan. Who's going to be <clears throat> who's going to be notified? And this is critical. Uh, I noticed that was one of the things that at, down at the Savannah they didn't have that, and they were still trying to figure out who was missing. They didn't have a call a call tree or anything else like that, where you know each supervisor had uh, the phone numbers or the cell phone numbers of, of each one of his employees and could start making calls immediately to determine who was where everybody was, so we could account for everybody, and that was that was part of the problem. And of course, there were there were visitors on the site. And uh, they did not have, I don't believe, a, uh, a visitor's log. So we weren't exactly sure who all was there. So that's clearly something that we'd want to have there. And of course, we have our accident incident recovery plan. You know, And part of that recovery plan, it should be, OK, uh, we're unable to produce our product here. How are we going to meet our customers' demands for our product? You know, And so you should either have, do we have other facilities that can ramp up, that can increase their production to make up for the lost production here? Or do we have to, is there other facilities that we can utilize or is there other companies that we can um, have them be doing the work that we, uh, pr the production that we normally do? But we have to have that in advance. You can't, you know, you start trying to figure that out. That's going to take you, if you're putting it in a plan, you're going to find out that's going to take couple of months probably to be able to do it for everything to know exactly here's where we're, if this goes out this is what we're going to do and you know all these different things so uh, but we need to have that recovery plan and, and of course we need to know how we're going to be able to come back and, and start doing the um, getting the plant back in shape all right and of course we're going to have an employee assistance plan we should have that if you don't you know as part of your program some people say well geez that's kind of expensive Ed. what should we do let me tell you something Every county in this country, I, well, I shouldn't say that's a kind of a broad statement, but most counties in the United States and each state have uh, you know, employee assistance programs available to, uh, for employers or any employees to use. So you should, if you don't have it yourself, you should at least identify what does the county have, what services, what you know, that we can utilize. And a lot of times these are for free. So you need to do that. Of course. Uh, we want to be doing our safety compliance audits so we can determine that's part of the risk assessment, really what it's going to hazard assessment. We got number eight. We really need to be identifying what our safety and health risks are so we can eliminate those. And, and then the community outreach. I, this is one that a lot of people don't think about. And I tell you, I believe this is one of the most important things you can do. You can do and all the other stuff is really important. I can't say that, but this has something that uh, does things. And when I say community outreach, one of the things that this plant in Savannah did, they had a close relationship to a number of the uh, churches that were surrounding the facility. It just happened that it had some connections there and the plant manager had, had been doing a lot. So when the accident occurred, here you have the preachers, the, the pastors from these different churches who are there, of course, some of their parishioners are, were part of the injured or uh, unfortunately some of them were the ones who were deceased. But they were there on site. And you know what? And the, the media was inter interviewing them. And we'd had them in there. And we'd showed them all the safety stuff that we had done and everything else like that. And they were there really talking about how the company was a really good employer. And let me that goes a long way. Let me tell you, that goes a long way. And, and so you need to do that. Let's go to the next slide. All right. 
handling the accident, obviously top priority, our, how we're going to do our initial response. We've got to have that plan down. We've got to know what we're going to do. Of course, you're going to have a, an evacuation. You're going to try, you're going to have to determine what, you know, we account for all the employees. That is, that's probably a critical thing. I mean, there on the one in Savannah, they were, there were people that were trying to find, uh, they couldn't find everybody. It was just, it was, it, you should have seen the anguish in these people that couldn't find their, 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 their employees. It was, it was really very touching in a way. But it was it, they were so disconcerted they couldn't find them. They just kind of were themselves. Eventually they did, except for the 16. But it was very sad there. So, and of course we got to isolate the accident or incident area. Uh, unfortunately, the ATF had done that for us uh, and and pretty much shut everything down. Uh, of course, we want to prevent any further injury or damage, so we don't want people to be going into an area if there's still a fire. We don't. And no one goes in if the building still if the, you know the building still fire. Can't just just don't do it. You know, and of course, we want to make sure we're providing prompt care to the, to the injured because, you know, like I say, I, and that meant we, I think in any type of uh, emergency action plan, you should have people that are trained in first aid, uh, you know, and have first aid supplies located in areas separate from in each area of the facility so that if in this particular case where the plant blew, that portion of the plant blew up, we still had supplies and everything else at other parts throughout the facility. So that was very important. So, and, and that way we were able to start the care. And then of course it didn't take too long for the EMTs. I mean, they must, they, obviously they, I think they, they probably had 20 EMT uh, vehicles there, uh, probably within 30 minutes at the most. So we really need to be, be focused on that. All right, next slide. Um, implement our accidents uh, scene safety procedures, including evidence preservation. We should always be focused on that. You know, I'm, I, I'm dealing, I have dealt, I deal, I've handled over 400 OSHA fatality investigations. So I've had this question about, a lot comes up about spoilization of evidence. Um, and um, so you gotta be very careful about that, that we wanna make sure that we're gonna be preserving everything that we can. And that's the problem when you have a whole bunch of different government agencies running around because they may be moving stuff, they may be taking stuff. Uh, and, uh, and we don't know anything about it. I mean, I've had that happen before where OSHA comes in and they, they, they see stuff and then they just take it with them. And that, you know, our, my position always is that with respect to anything, a property of the company that we will maintain that ourselves, we will, we will secure it. We will do a site, a site uh, security and, and evidence preservation agreement whatever we need to do, but we're still going to hold on to that stuff, okay? No, it doesn't go off the property because if it goes off the property, more than likely it's going to disappear. It's kind of sad, but it's true. So, of course, we want to get the normal operation. We talked about that. Uh, we should be able, we should, as part of our problem, if we have this type of what if thing, if we do all these different what ifs, well, if we do have an explosion or something, or we have some type of catastrophic fire or something like that, how quickly can we can we get started up? How can we? What are we going to have to do? Well, it's going to depend on obviously the severity of everything. But who, where are we going to get if we need equipment? How quickly can we get it? Where, and who are we going to get it from? You know, what what, what builders can we get in? I remember when um, there was a plant down in uh, Lagrange, Georgia. It was a, a Millican plant. It was one of their largest plants, and uh, they made carpet there, and it had a huge fire. I mean, it just spread tremendously. And, you know, the old mills were very, they had a lot of all wooden floors. It had a lot of, they were soaked, they had been, for decades, been 
oil's been spilled down there and it's just seeped into the wood. So, and um, I remember being there and, or I wasn't there, the guy who had a safety was there, he was a good friend of mine. And Mr. Milliken came down and uh, he came down with Mr. Milliken actually. And there, at fire was still being, they were still putting water on the fire, it had not completely got out. And Mr. Milliken turned to um, uh, the uh, guy, talked to the safety guy. And he also brought one other guy, guy was then called Daniel Construction Company. And um, he looked at the, and this is a big, huge, I'm going to talk about a really huge plan. He said, he looked at the, the president of Daniel Construction Company says, and said to him, he said, I want this built back in that place within one year. And then he turned to the safety guy and he said, and I don't want to have one injury or illness occurring during this construction. And it was done in one year and there were no injuries. So, uh, it, it, so but he, everybody knew what they had to do. They had to restore that operation. He knew he had to get it back into place. So, and of course we talked about reoccurring, making sure that it doesn't, you know, but anyway, so let's go to the next slide. Uh, notify council, council, local legal, council, uh, corporate officers, you know, and I, you know, I put that in there because you would not be surprised. You'd be shocked how many times I've had clients call me and said, Ed, we just got some OSHA citations. Uh, and this is the corporate safety person. We just got OSHA citations in plant X. And I said, well, that's interesting. I didn't know you had an OSHA inspection at plant X. And they say, yeah, neither do we. They only were informed after they got the citations. You can't do it that way. You got to make sure you got to have you have to have detailed, you know, policies that so if there's a if there's an accident, if there's an incident, whatever, uh, you have to notify the corporate office right away. And if you have fatalities, obviously you want to make sure you have the appropriate legal counsel involved in that too. So, and of course you're going to make sure you're need, asking for the needed resources to be able to start moving to uh, get the plant back and get up up and so. Uh, and of course, like I say, if, if you have accidents, people get injured or God forbid have fatalities, then I, you can pretty much be assured that OSHA is going to show up and uh, they're going to be looking very closely at that. So it's very much important there. Let's, let's go to the next slide. Uh, assign duties. Uh, once again, we're going to have, we're going to make sure that we're going to assign uh, who's going to be dealing, who's going to deal with all these different people. And I kind of gave you an idea of the different people that have to deal with different agencies. And you know your maintenance people, maybe they're the ones that are going to be dealing or have the responsibility for uh, you know start uh, doing the cleanup, finding, determine how much, how, what, how how big is the disaster, how much how much equipment has been unusable, or how long is it going to take to fix to what we got, or we can get the parts, all this stuff, and they they're probably the ones best ones to deal with that. And then of course they'd be working with the production management people too, and of course. Uh, we got to address the uh, we have to address the employees' concerns here uh, because they need to know that hey we're not we're gonna we're gonna keep we're we're gonna be we're gonna get back we're gonna get back on our feet if we're gonna if it's such that we have to uh, that they can't do operate right away then we're gonna schedule people for uh, leave we may what we may be doing is some people will be doing work we'll doing some cleanup whatever it needs whatever they can do. And then other people will be put on leave and use their use their leave, but they're still going to have a paycheck coming. That is the most important thing you got to do with respect to the people that are, are that weren't injured there. You got to you got to make sure they fit. And of course, we're going to have an assistance program. I said down there. Uh, 
there may be some safety concerns. They need to, people need to know that we're not, no one's gonna be dealing with any area that is unsafe. We will not allow that to happen. But we need to have that in commun communication to all our employees. And uh, we need to make sure that they understand uh, that we, we care about them. And we're going to, they're going to be, they're going to have a job when it's all said and done, um, or at least hopefully that's going to be the situation here. And uh, so we do that. And of course, if you have a union, you're going to have to deal with that. There's all types of collective bargaining uh, uh, issues that come up when you have this type of accident. So let's go to the next slide. Respond to the family. These are the family. I've seen companies that have done a crappy job on this, and I've seen companies that do a tremendous job on this. If there's somebody that gets killed from an accident, you darn better well sure, make sure that you're paying for the funeral. Everything that is. Uh, I, I cannot emphasize even that more anymore. You wanna get a, a, some type of lawsuit against you, intentional affliction, emotional distress, all this other stuff, and then don't worry about that. But you should be doing, you should be, first of all, when the accident occurs, that plant management and, 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 and hopefully the upper management, the president of the company will be going to those families and talking to them and showing that they care and let them know. And they should have with them when they go, so, you know, you, I've had all this time, many times I've had people, uh, CEOs, company presidents, you know, I'll be talking to them about doing this stuff and dealing with this stuff uh, when they have a fatality and stuff like that. And, so, and they say to me, Ed, why don't you go call, talk to the family? You have more experience about this than I do. You can handle it. Well, guess what? That's not my job. That's your job. And you should be able to go and tell, explain to them that you're so sorry that this happens. You are committed that you will, this will never happen again. And we're going to protect you. And you better have with you standing right behind you. You better have the benefits people. You better have, uh, you know, that person's supervisor. Um, you know, the HR people should be there. And you should be able to say, hi, this is, this is John or this is Mary. And if you have whatever, if you have any problems, if you need anything, you gotta, you just called, here, there's their, their cell phone number. You call them 24 seven if you have anything comes up and they're gonna handle it. They're gonna get the answers for you. They're gonna get whatever you need for you. But we're gonna make sure, and here's what the, uh, for the deceased people, here's, here's the benefits that you, they have coming to them. If it's an injured employee, here's how workers comp, they're gonna be dealing with us. We got it, we're taking care of that. You don't have to worry about that. You, and if this person died, we're handling all the funeral costs. You do not have to worry about that. Because let me tell you something, especially if you have some parent, some some spouses, young spouses. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of times I have, this happens where some people get killed and they have a wife and two little kids left over. And they're scared, especially the wife. And if you're not giving her comfort and telling her that, hey, you get, we got this. You don't have to worry about the money. You just take care of your family. You just take care of funeral arrangements, but don't worry about the cost. Everything's gonna be taken. If you can't do that, you're, 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 gonna, get, you're gonna end up getting sued somehow. Something's gonna happen there. But it just shows that you don't really care too. So let's go to the next slide. Uh, dealing with the news media. Well, of course we're gonna have our person. If you don't have a media person on, on staff, then you really should have a media, a, a, a consult, media consultant who is on, who has some type of retainer so that if something happens, they're immediately there and they're able to handle, and they're able to handle all the responses. 
And of course, you want to have a unified message, and that's and that's why you only have one person talking to the media. Uh, and you never say no comment. No comment means I don't care, or I don't know. I'm stupid, and I don't know. But you say no comment is the worst thing you can ever say to the media. So you want to keep it. If you're dealing with the media, you want probably your, whoever is designated for that. They should know. Hey, stick to it. Here's the facts. Keep it brief. And, uh, to, and, and it's, it's so easy to it, it is a, some boilerplate stuff. We are, you know, we, this is a tragedy. We are going, we are investigating. We are going to work with OSHA or whoever else, with any state agency, find out what happened and make sure that this never happens again. And we're, t uh, and we're, we're making sure that all our employees are protected now. So, and, and, and so, and uh, so you can see the deal on that there. So let's keep going. Next slide. Uh, of course, we're, we're going to limit written communications. Those should be all set out. We should have one message that goes out, um, and that should be, and that's pretty much how what we're going to be sticking to, even if we're doing any type of press press conference. But I'm not a big I'm not a big thing about the president going up there and speaking at a press conference, uh, or but only if it can do a very short thing, which says, you know, we are we are this is a terrible tra tragedy. I'm going to, I'm personally going to make sure we find out what caused all this. We're taking care of all the employees. We're working with every government agency we need to be working out here. And this is never going to happen again. And that's pretty much, he should be, thank you for, um, and I'm going to turn it over to our media person here. So, okay. But we want to do uh, proactive things. That's it. Go ahead. All right. No, that's it. Okay. Uh, of course, I, you're going to notify, you know, police officers, all these groups are going to be, you have eight hours. If you have a fatality, you have eight hours from the time the fatality occurs to um, to notifying OSHA. If you have a work-related injury, then you have 24 hours, and which resulted in a hospitalization, inpatient hospitalization. In other words, they stay overnight. Then you have 24 hours to notify OSHA of that. So MSHA has a one-call procedure. There are other state emergency management officials you'd have to talk. EPA, uh, DOT, some of those may need to be notified there. So. But only notify governments you are required to notify. Some people think they got to tell the world about this or get every agency involved, which never is a good, you know, never have a positive outcome on that. Next slide. Uh, insurance carriers, you should be notified enough. Obviously, you're going to deal with the, uh, the dealing with the, uh, the insurance, dealing with, with coming in and getting assessments on how to rebuild or whatever you're going to have to do that. But you're also going to have other workers' comp policies, how they're going to deal with that. Um, and so you want to make sure you have there. Uh, you probably, and you know, of course, you want to, if you're going to have, uh, bring in your insurance carrier, you probably want to make sure they have their, well, some uh, designated lawyer. But all I can tell you this is with, you've got to be really careful about this. Um, sometimes these lawyers for the insurance carriers think that, that they can tell, they should be, they, they, they do all this investigation and try to put all this stuff together. It's not necessarily the lawyers. It's a lot of times it's the, the uh, insurance investigators. They just, they put all this stuff in there and it really in the long time hurts the client more than it helps. So you got to be really careful. So you should ask for counsel to be uh, assigned for their particular case. You should have your counsel and, and be able to make sure that that counsel, your counsel is coordinating with the insurance counsel and, rec and they make it, make it perfectly clear who's in charge, i.e. your counsel. The insurance council is not going to, is, is going to be involved, but we want to make sure 
that we're directing and we're not going to be sending anything out. We're not going to do any, if we're going to do it, we do our investigation, we are going to, we're going to pull it under attorney work product privilege, but nothing gets, nothing gets put in the final form and it only gets limited distribution to the two attorneys so they can review it. Because I promise you, I, you would be, you, it's amazing how many I, insurance reports I get that I'm, after I read this thing, I'm going, oh my God, the case is, we've just lost the case. They make all these admissions uh, that were, and a lot of times it wasn't even true. They just thought what it was. And so you need to make sure you be able to coordinate that, but you really want to make sure you're coordinating your general counsel, you're, you know, uh, and it's dealing with all these different groups, the general liability, the workers' cop, all those things here, you know, um, anyway. So, but make sure, particularly the non-attorney investigators for insurance companies, they are, they are a danger to you. So, all right, next slide. Uh, hand a request for third party. Once you have an accident there, of course, they're going to really want to look at what type of whoever made the equipment, they're going to want to know that. You know, what, if it's contractors, they're going, to, they're going to be asking that or who are the contracts on there, who's the property owner, you know, and then you're going to have attorneys representing injured and deceased employees. Uh, most of the time, if it's, it's not going to be against you because your workers' comp is as a bar, but you got to be careful. There are some states where there's some states that you can collect in workers' comp and still sue, get sued in, uh, in tort negligence, uh, which I don't see how that, I don't know, whoever let that pass should have their, you know, whatever. Uh, but you need to be recognized that because you get that a whole lot. Uh, you know, uh, there is, if, if they can show gross negligence or willful contact on the part of the employer, you can get around workers' comp. And so workers' comp for a fatality, you might be being paid out $150,000. But if it gets around workers' comp, now you're looking at two, three, four, ten million dollars. So there's a big difference, and that all impacts you very dramatically. So, and of course, you're going to have questions from vendors, and uh, even they may be claiming that they have people on site. They may be bringing, you know, some type of actions, try to bring some type of actions against you. Let's go to the next slide. So, uh, all right, uh, we talked about the internal investigation. Um, we got to file our first report of injury. Did we follow the company uh, procedures? We got to look at the legal implications every time. And, and at last bullet, avoid snap conclusions. I am. It is amazing to me somehow somebody comes out of have done this initial initial review one hour after the incident occurs, and here's what happened. And it turns out that none of that was correct. So we want to really not come to any conclusions right off. We want to just gather the facts. And get the evidence, talk to the right, right people and everything else. Next slide. Um, you know, And of course, when we're doing our examination, we may have some type of external investigations. We may need expert witnesses to find out what really happened. Uh, we're going to see what the role of the council is. We're going to identify the witnesses. We're going to talk to them. But we got to make sure we have a council involved because when we're putting these statements together, we don't want the, you know, we want to make sure we're not, we're not providing evidence to OSHA or a third, you know, plaintiff's counsel or something down the road. So we need to make sure. But we do need to identify all the evidence and make sure we protect, protect it to avoid spoilization and, uh, or that we're not kind of obstructing that. So, and, uh, you know, and when, when ATF says it's a crime scene, you really want to make sure you're not really getting involved or not moving things or anything else like that. I was just at a facility the other day, which had a number of fatalities uh, a, a while back. And um, we were doing... We had come back in there to try to do some cleaning. And uh, I had been in there one time. We had locked it. I, I got involved after the fact. 
but uh, they had locked it and sealed up this room where the accident occurred. And, uh, you know, and um, when we were doing the cleaning, there was a boot there, uh, uh, some type of shoe or something there that was there underneath one, under the part, a portion underneath one of the machine. And, you know, we talked about, I talked about with the, with the other attorney, the, the civil attorney, and we decided we're not going to move that. We're just going to leave it right there. We're going to clean around it, but we're not going to move it. So that's how we, to a certain degree, you gotta, you gotta be looking at these things. So, all right, next slide. You know, the document control is very important there. We wanna collect whatever documents, look at, you know, look at our policies, procedures that may be applicable. You gotta be a little bit careful about creating documents, you know, especially we don't create anything for any federal agency, okay? If we have it, we give it to them. If they don't have it, we don't give it to them. So they, they just need to be aware of that. And it's just the way it is. Uh, we're going to do, uh, we're going to limit this distribution of documents. Uh, there may be some documents that are privileged. We're going to put out nowadays, you pretty much, you have, I'm telling you, if you have an accident, period, you need to do a whole uh, a communications hold. In other words, you notify all the people that may be involved, uh, connected with it, uh, with the incident or supervisors and stuff. And you need to tell them, you do not delete any of your emails. Uh, but by the way, don't start sending emails out about what you think is happening here and stuff like that. Um, you, you must limit your emails uh, to only stating facts. And, um, but you need to keep all those in, and we're going to keep all the documents there. And that includes all communications, and OSHA is very much focused on getting email stuff. Matter of fact, pretty much, you'll get a doc, you're going to get a, a whole request from any plaintiff's lawyer. You're going to end up a civil or criminal act. But if you get a criminal action, the, 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 uh, you know, either the, the state attorney general or the U.S. attorney is going to give you a hold saying you, you should keep all documents in any way connected to this case. So that's pretty much normal. And that happens right away. So anyway, let's go to the next slide. And we're at the, just a heads up. We're at the seven minute mark. So. OK. Yep. Well, we've already talked about these. I mean, most of these you got, uh, you know, uh, we said Chemical Safety Board, DO, Department of Transportation, Department of Justice. Um, if there's a criminal, just remember, if you have a fatality that results from a willful violation of an OSHA standard, then OSHA can refer that to Department of Justice for a criminal referral. So we need to be aware of that. Where you see most of the time anymore where criminal actions being filed because of fatalities is done at the state attorney general or state local DA, uh, you know, or the county uh, district attorney too. So you got to make sure that's all these people you're going to have to deal with there. And of course, if you have a fire, you're going to be dealing with the fire marshals there. Let's go. Next slide. Um, I think we've talked about ocean investigations, you know, what we're going to be doing. Um, normally, we don't ask for a, a warrant, but if you have fatalities and you got 10 agencies there, you may ask OSHA for a, a warrant because you might need the time just to get it. Of course, OSHA will do the opening conference. Uh, we're going to establish that, you know, the, you, know you already kind of know what the, what, what the perk, why they're there. So you don't have to kind of establish any type of jurisdiction. But you guys set up the thing, how we're going to handle employee interviews, how we're going to coordinate with other investigators, how we're going to handle document requests from OSHA or any agency there. And then we got to look about photographs of, do we have trade secrets that we need to preserve? Next slide. Uh, the walk around, we're going to be doing all that. We are entitled on the OSHA walk around. We're entitled to have a um, have at least one or two managers present 
with any OSHA people. Matter of fact, you should have two managers for every OSHA investigator. And the same thing with any other agencies, you can do that there. So, but you wanna maintain the control of the investigation during the walk around, you've gotta be careful that they don't try to expand the investigation. If they start going to other areas uh, that is not connected with the incident and you gotta, you gotta stop and say, hey, that's not part of the, inc uh, the accident. Why are you going there? You need to make them tell you. Monitoring, we're not gonna do, uh, we're gonna do side-by-side -side monitoring. We will not allow OSHA or any other agencies to do their own monitoring without us being able to do our own side-by-side. -side. Uh, we're gonna take notes, we're gonna take pictures, whatever OSHA takes a picture of, we're gonna take a picture of, and um, you know, we just wanna document everything. Next slide. Uh, we talked about the, the documentation already. Our, OSHA takes a position on our employee interviews on the hourly employees that they can take those in, in, in separate, private. Um, technically, the OSHA, uh, hourly employee has the right to ask OSHA to have, have a, whoever they wanted there. So they could actually ask for their supervisor. So, but a lot of times still OSHA kind of pushes that off. Management interviews, we are entitled to have a management person there. If you have a fatality, you will act, have to have, you absolutely must have your legal counselor there, there. Um, you know, and uh, so let's go to the next slide. Closing conference, they're gonna go over it. That OSHA will go over uh, what they found and, and, and we're not gonna be responding. We're just gonna maybe asking some questions. Next slide. Uh, citations have to be issued within six months of the start of the investigation. Once we get the citations, we have to post it. Uh, eventually, it's, if, if any citation that is not withdrawn, uh, we'll have to make sure that it's properly abated, and then we're going to communicate that to the employees and to the public. Next, next slide. The informal conference, you want to do that. you got to do that within 15 working days and um, of the receipt of the citation. This is a drop. This is the only drop that, that you must do one of two things. Either work out an informal settlement, have an, inf have an informal conference and enter into an informal con uh, settlement, or file a notice of contest within 15 working days from when you receive the citations. This is, you cannot extend this. No way, you gotta get that done. Okay, uh, I think we covered most of that, go ahead. Uh, appeals, once again, once you, uh, you get, if you don't get it, you have to file your notice of contest and that automatically stays everything. State plans pretty much follow the same timing. Next slide. Uh, appeals processes to the review commission. ALJs hold a hearing and then that's that's appealed to the full commission. Either party can do that. Next slide. Uh, dealing with the family members. We've talked about pretty much this. You've got to meet them in person. You've got to make sure you have um, the right people there and you've got to make sure that they know that, they, that the company cares about them and they're going to protect them from uh, and make sure they have the financial sources and any other resources they need to get through this. I think that's it, right? Uh, just one closing slide there. Oh, you, I think you got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess we have time for just a couple questions. Uh, if uh, any of our moderators have those in front of them. Uh, first, uh, we'd like to thank you both for this uh, fantastic presentation. And before we start the q and I want to remind everyone about the evaluation survey we're asking you to complete. The survey will open in a different screen after this webinar. Your input is important because it'll help us improve our future webcast. And as a reminder, to ask a question, click the Q&A button at the bottom of the screen, type your question, and click the send button. And please feel free to ask your question anytime. Um, so I th the one question I think we had is, um, it was about evidence and it, 
doesn't most evidence um, have a chain of custody? Well, I would say that's, that's a good thing to have. Uh, does most evidence have it? No. Um, I mean, I got a, a one case I'm dealing with right now that had six fatalities. Um, there was a, uh, it involved a piece of, from the equipment and during the investigation that somehow may have caused the accident. And uh, during, uh, this was before I actually got in, involved with this case. And um, <clears throat> uh, during the investigation, all of a sudden that piece, that part of the equipment disappeared. I mean, this is a crucial part of the whole case. And, um, and it turned out that, you know, uh, someone from the company, uh, just in the maintenance department, just kind of said, well, you know, this thing's not fixed, right? But we're going to, I'll just, so when they need it, we'll, I'll just take it off from now and we'll, we'll use it later on or, or we'll get it later. I don't know exactly what, how it all worked out. But anyway, so it wasn't there for a little while and nobody knew where it was. They eventually found out where it was and it had been kept in one place. Thank goodness for that, for, for the company, since that's not my client. Um, that was the, my, my client's now uh, it's new, the new owner. So, but at least, you know, they, it was all that, but you know, it, it, that's how quick things happen. Things change, people do things. I mean, you know, I, I had another case one time where um, the accident, uh, accident occurred in late in the after, late early evening, I guess it was late in, and uh, the next morning we, we were my client was a was a con, was a subcontractor or was on on site as a was a contractor on site, and they came back and lo and behold, all the this was involving a valve of some sort. <clears throat> all of a sudden, that valve was no longer there, and there was a brand new valve there, and they couldn't find the old valve. So yes, there should most definitely be a chain of, chain of custody on any evidence, you know, and, um, but you as the, if you're the, you know, if it's your facility, then you probably want to maintain control over that. So yeah, you handle the chain of custody and you spill out some type of evidence and site control agreement with OSHA or whichever agency is involved and, um, and you maintain it. I mean, I had a case where uh, an employee got, uh, where they were installing heating and air heating air conditioning ducts in the, in the ceiling. And he, he tried to move, he was on a scissors lift and he tried to move the scissors lift and it got caught and uh, it pulled the, because it got caught on the, the ducking, it pulled and it caused the uh, scissor lift to fall over. And, uh, and it, was, it resulted in a fatality, uh, which was kind of a real tragic accident there. Um, anyway, hey, Ann, I, think gonna, hey, I think we're going to drop off here real quick. So maybe, okay. we, maybe we better say goodbye. And anybody that, uh, you know, if any questions, uh, by, by all means, reach out to either Ed or myself. We're happy to, to respond. And, and thank you all for, for your uh, participation. We, we uh, really enjoyed having the opportunity to share with you. Yes, uh, thank you, one, everyone. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. And um, I'm sorry that we didn't get to everyone's questions, but unanswered questions will be forwarded to today's sponsor. Once again, we also hope you take the time to share your feedback through our survey. This ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Tom Sisich, Edwin Fall Jr., our sponsor, Aveta, and of course, everyone who joined us today. Take care and be safe. <laughs>